The text for the message this morning is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 12, and we'll read that together now. Page 1015. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This further reading of the text. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we recently were informed that the family visit theme for this year will be pilgrims in a fallen world carrying the light of the gospel. Children should know that a pilgrim is a person who journeys through foreign lands to a destination beyond. They are exiles who are not living in their homeland and sojourners or or temporary uh, inhabitants wherever they may live along the way on their journey uh, to their home. You could think of Abraham who was called by God to a city that has foundations and how he considered himself to be a temporary sojourner living in his tents in every foreign land, Ur and Haran and Canaan. Pilgrims, knowing that they will go home someday, are like ambassadors of today, ambassadors who represent a foreign country uh, somewhere else. They live as tenants in that country. During that time, they will be respectful of the rulers of their host country without ever needing to serve them. Well, when the word exiles and sojourners uh, appears in our text today, it would have had a special meaning for the believers who lived in the Roman Empire without any of the privileges ordinarily given to Roman citizens. You can see that the first verse of this letter speaks of the elect exiles, and then again it comes up in chapter 1, verse 17. The people who received Peter's letters were in several different Roman provinces, but they were outside of the favor of the Roman government and their fellow citizens. This social reality serves as a model to help the church of Jesus Christ understand their place in society in all times and in all places in the world. You are pilgrims. You are sojourners. Christians need to understand that they will never feel at home in this fallen world because God has separated us from the world when he made us his own people. The starting point in our text is that we are sojourners. And now at the direction of the council, we're encouraged to think about what it means to have your citizenship in heaven. Philippians 3 verse 20. 
to have your citizenship in heaven while you are living in, our, in your life as tenants, as sojourners in the earth. How can people who live in the world avoid becoming worldly in their lifestyles and their goals? Well, by God's grace, we may live with the comfort and the call of being pilgrims, sojourners, and exiles in this fallen world of darkness. And I preach this gospel to you under the theme that God made his people sojourners by calling us into his marvelous light. Sojourners who are chosen to be holy and choosing to be holy. You are a sojourner. You are an exile because of God. Because God has called his church out of the darkness of the fallen world and into his marvelous light. This first happened immediately after the fall when God rescued Adam and Eve from Satan's dominion and established enmity between the offspring of the woman and the rest of the world. Genesis 3 verse 15. And since the unbelievers and the church have lived beside one another on the same world, like wheat and tares in growing in the same field, as God brings all his chosen ones to himself in the context of his promises which are fulfilled in Christ, we do so in the midst of, of many who do not know the Lord. In that sense, we're sojourners and pilgrims. Well, the description of us as pilgrims is found in verses 9 and 10. And the, the words that Peter used in these verses were words that were first used to describe the church in the Old Testament. And they're words that point to how God set apart a special nation of priests for himself from a particular family line. Seth, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah, David, and Christ. The fact that the apostle uses the same names to describe us, the New Testament church, reveals God's grace in including people in his saving work from all the nations of the world. Nations who, who were once friends of the world, but now are, who were once friends of the world and foreigners to the covenant. Romans and Ephesians tell us how, how God brings everybody together in Jesus Christ. God has included people from, from all the nations of the earth together with the Jews in the church so that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ can share in his saving work and can be set free from the dominion of the devil. The Lord reached his hand into the, the mouth of the serpent to bring his church, his, his chosen ones to himself to be cleansed. He snatched our lives from, from death like burning sticks that are snatched from the fire. He has marked the line of enmity between his enemies and his people by having mercy on those who once rebelled against him, those whom he had chosen from eternity and set apart to be holy. And the result is that everyone who, who believes in Jesus Christ is no longer like is no longer the same as they were when they were enslaved by the devil in rebellion against God. The church stands out because of the work of God in our lives. 
And this is clear when we see the, the words that we read in verse 9, but you are a chosen race. You see the connection here to verse 5. As Christ, the living stone, is chosen and precious, so are all those who belong to Christ's body as living stones of that same spiritual house. The Lord is talking about you, brothers and sisters, who believe. You who who live in, in fellowship and union with Jesus Christ. God has chosen you who believe before the foundation of the world and has incorporated you into his church through the gift of faith that unites you to Christ and to one another. Now you can see why in verse 11, Paul can use the word beloved. He uses that every time we hear the preaching of the gospel. Beloved. Beloved by God. He's speaking not of of a particular group that's distinguished by their race or by where they live or by what language they speak or the color of their skin. But they are a race who is distinguished by God's decision to separate them from the world. God's work to free them from the power of the evil one. That's the chosen race that God is talking about in our text. And Peter describes this as being called out of the darkness where everyone is stumbling about in their disobedience like we read in verses 7 and 8. And he has brought us into his marvelous light. That's a very vivid description of who you are. It's a very vivid description of of being brought right into the holy presence of our sovereign king who dwells in unapproachable light, we read in 1 Timothy. You've been brought into the presence of the sovereign king. You see, when we talk about being sojourners and exiles and and pilgrims, the church is not being compared to, to, to rebels who are hiding in the shadows. But those who have been taken up and honored like, like noble, gleaming knights in the presence of the king himself. The Old Testament language continues. We read that we are not only a chosen race, but a, a royal priesthood. The language seems somewhat distant from Protestant believers living in a secular democracy, but the context helps us to understand that that these words are describing our privilege of being able to draw near to the King of Kings through Jesus Christ our Lord. We We are royal because we are set apart for service to the King in distinction from all those who have rebelled against him. We are a priesthood because we share in the mediator work of Jesus Christ through whom every one of us directly have access to the heavenly throne of God himself. Describing the church as a kingdom of priests makes it clear that every one of us is equally sanctified under Christ. Every Christian has honor and dignity in their service to the king. Whether we serve a role in public worship of the church or in the septic removal of the building. This is a very important theme. We're on the Reformation 
weekend. Martin Luther was very clear for that emphasis on the priesthood of all believers. Everyone, worth and dignity and calling before the great king. Text says we are a holy nation, a nation that is set apart by God, not because we are more pious than others in ourselves, but we are set apart by God's decision in order that we might be made holy by the Holy Spirit who makes us share in the sprinkling of Christ. You can see that language in verse 2 of chapter 1. Peter reminds us that we are undeserving recipients of God's mercy when he brings in that picture of Hosea 1 that we read together. We can remember how the Lord had commanded Hosea to take for himself an adulterous wife. They named their first son Jezreel, their first daughter No Mercy, and their third child Not My People. The names of the children that were given to Hosea and Gomer were were the exact opposite of the covenant promises of God that Israel would be his people and he would show them mercy. And it was a revelation to the people of that time that, that they would be punished for their idolatry and their adultery for a time until the day when God would again show his mercy. We read about that in chapter 1, verse 10. And it shall be said to them, children of the living God. And then it's expanded in Hosea 2, verses 14 to 23. And so that promise, of the, that Old Testament promise given to the church in their idolatry and adultery that God would have mercy on them is now spoken to us today, the church in Jesus Christ, so that we can say about ourselves once We were not a people, but now we are God's people, his possession. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Although we are still inclined to sin, shockingly and inexplicably because it's grace, God has shown us mercy. Ephesians 2 You who were dead in sins are now alive because of grace. As Peter says in the letter, 1 Peter 2, verse 25, For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseers of your souls. Peter's language and reference to Hosea makes it very clear that the Lord God calls his people to be his own possession. Again, not based on on race or good works or vocation, but based on our relationship to him through Jesus Christ. God has brought us into his marvelous light where we can see his glory at ever-increasing levels until we may know just as we have been fully known. This is why we never feel at home in this temporary world so corrupted by sin and and decay. God has made us pilgrims by calling us into his holy presence through Jesus Christ. He has shown us such amazing, marvelous grace and love that we see how much it stands out from the fallenness of the world. 
God has made us pilgrims by calling us to his holy presence. And we are sojourners on this earth until the day that God calls us home where Christ returns. And so in preparation for and during the family visits, as we think about being pilgrims, we we first can rejoice together in the amazing work of the triune God in our lives. Have you thought about the comfort of knowing that you have been chosen by God to be joined to a part, uh, to, together as His people? People, He says, you are my possession. Do you see how God's rich mercy today gives you that rich and lasting comfort even when your sojourn on this earth comes to an end? We all know many whose sojourn is coming to an end or has come to an end. We see that promise. We're sojourners. It was meant to be temporary here on the, on the earth. Do you regularly remind yourselves of your own dignity and value in, in God's sight because this is His will to make you a, a royal priesthood. Do you see how blessed you are in this world of, of darkness and, and stumbling about to be able to be in the, in the constant light of God's glory, to, to know of His holiness, to hear His voice speaking to you in your life through the finished work of Jesus Christ with His Holy Spirit dwelling in your hearts, with His Word in your hands, dear pilgrims. You have the light of God. You're brought in to His holy presence. You are the light of God. Wherever you go, you you shine that truth. Unlike people who do not know the Lord, you have been set free from the power of the devil. You can see chapter 2, verse 16 urges us to live as people who are free. You have a calling in Christ to live as God's set apart and holy people so that you may serve others. And we see that, that we're sojourners who by the Spirit are choosing to be holy. We read in verse 9 that, that God has chosen us as His holy people Look at the words, that, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's true that we are only pilgrims who are passing through this world as as sojourners and exiles, but this does not mean that, that God does not still want to use you as instruments in his hand for the glory among the people that Peter calls Gentiles in verse 12. When Peter uses the word Gentiles, when it's not used in contrast to the Jews, it refers to all people who do not believe in the Lord, whether they be Jews or, or non-Jews. In the context of the letter, this, this group in whom we are walking 
is, is referred to as people who have disobeyed the word of God and are offended by the rock who is Jesus Christ. And in this context, the word proclaim is a word that necessarily includes using words. God wants us to speak out into the darkness from the light, to, to shed his light around us by telling others all that he has revealed about himself. You can, you can trace where the pilgrim has walked by the light that has been shed on his path because he proclaimed the excellencies, the perfections of God while still living. John 3 says many unbelievers flee from the light because they do not want their hearts to be, to be known. Chapter 2 verse 12 of our text tells us that many Christian, or many will speak against Christians as, as evildoers. But the clear instruction of our text is that God wants the world to hear the proclamation of the truth. And not only to hear it proclaimed, but also to see it. The second way that Christian sojourners can bring the light of God into the fallen darkness of the world around them is by their holy conduct. Peter defines this honorable conduct. We're looking at verses 11 and 12 now. And he defines honorable conduct as abstaining from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Passions of the flesh. Which ones are those? From the context, we learn that the passions include such things. If you look at chapter 2, verse 1, we read that together. Malice, and deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and slander. And if you flip the page and look at chapter 4, verse 3, it says again, it's what the Gentiles, the unbelievers, want to do. The list goes on with sensuality, and passions, Drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. The passions of the flesh, they're, they're waging war against your soul. That's the problem with those passions. They're dangerous. So the text is saying, saying to us that if we don't kill the passions of the flesh, they will kill us. As we seek to pursue holiness in our lives, we need to ask ourselves what kind of things in the world are waging war against our souls? And that question is urgent because if such worldly passions succeed and make us just as dead in our sins as our neighbor so that we don't really look any different than they do except for maybe some residual traditional motions, if we are dead... We can no longer be instruments in God's hands to lead the people around us to glorify God in the day of visitation. What is that day of visitation that we read about at the very end of our our text? Sometimes the word visit is used in Scripture to talk about God coming with punishment for those who, who rebel. Sometimes the word visit is used to describe God's appearing for salvation to those who have converted. Sometimes it's a general reference to the return of Christ and the final, return, uh, the final judgment. 
If we look closely at our text, you'll notice that, that it doesn't choose the grammar, the immediate context, the vocabulary. It, it leaves the meaning somewhat ambiguous so that what it is saying is that one day the Lord will meet you. The day of visitation is the day when the people we talk to and the people we see, who see our conduct, when they will meet God. When the unbelievers that you meet in your life eventually comes to see God as all creatures will, those who heard your proclaiming and those who saw your good deeds will be able to make a connection between God revealing himself and you, how you lived. Their noticing, followed by their understanding, is what gives glory to God, whether a person repents or does not repent. The good news in our text is that just like light can remove darkness, so a Christian's honorable conduct can lead people who once slandered the church in their unbelief to now glorify God. Although we may not always see it, God can use your proclamation and your faithful Christian life to bring glory to His name. In our text, the Holy Spirit gives a very positive view of the impact that pilgrims can have on their way to their heavenly home. Again, not, not groveling and hiding rebels in the darkness, but, but noble royal priesthood shining in the world with the light of God. You can be sure that when God's chosen, holy, royal priesthood of believers dwell in the marvelous light of God's holy presence, and they sojourn with honorable conduct in peace and joy and comfort and hope, proclaiming the excellencies of their merciful God among the lost and the confused. This will have an impact on the people that God places in your life around you. It has an impact when you live for the will of God rather than for human passions. And Peter works this out in the, in the verses after our text. The Gentiles will see it. They will notice that you serve a different king. And so you're asking about yourself. We're asking about our own lives, aren't we? You see, this isn't just words out there. You are pilgrims now. You are sojourners now. And the people around you are the people to whom you may proclaim the excellencies. They are the people who are seeing your conduct. You could take a moment, you can think about who are those people who see you every day, who meet you, who you meet. Do they see that you are in the marvelous light of God Almighty? Do they know that He forgives our sins? They know that there is eternal life, a greater king and a greater kingdom. 
reminds us of our Lord Jesus' words in Matthew 5, verses 13 and 16. We'll be in the salt of the earth, the light of the world. What a horrible thing it would be if we know this and we walk around in the darkness and we put that light under a bowl. That would be unloving, wouldn't it? Striking the book by John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress. Maybe it's a good book to read together. The failure in that book is that it fails to show the, the love of the Christian for those around them. The Christians, the citizens of the kingdom of God, will leave an indelible mark on the people they meet. God has chosen us to be holy. He has led us to choose to be holy because he loves us and he wants us to shine. Pilgrims, sojourners, that's what you are. As sojourners and exiles in a fallen world that will one day be destroyed by fire, may God work concern and love in your heart for those lost souls, lost eternal souls. And as for ourselves, some of us will sojourn here for a long time and some will sojourn for a shorter time. But all the exiles from paradise glory whom God has brought back into his marvelous light through faith in Jesus Christ will meet again together at our heavenly destination. On the way, it's, there will be passion, there will be wars against the passions of the flesh and slanderous accusations and opposition from people who do not know God. And many people will stumble in the darkness across your path. And they will hear it, won't they? They will see it. You belong to another king. Maybe keep in step with the Spirit. Amen.